Well, good morning. It is such a pleasure and an honor to be here this morning, and I thank you all for giving me this opportunity to come and to um, share God's Word with us all this morning. Um, I also want to take this opportunity to thank um, you all, to thank Ebenezer uh, for all the support and the prayers um, that you have shown to uh, my family over the past few months. As, as some of you know, uh, my wife was diagnosed with cancer in December, and the outpouring that um, Ebenezer and brothers and sisters around the world have shown to, to Joan and to our family is, is remarkable. And uh, so I thank you all, and uh, I would be remiss if I didn't share um, that um, Joan is, very, is doing very well. Um, in her uh, last report, there was no cancer. So in her last pathology report. So. And I want to share that with you all because over the last few weeks, um, as I walk through the halls of Ebenezer, so many of you have come up and asked, how Joan is doing. And so I wanted to share that report um, with all of you uh, as just a way of bearing testimony to the grace and the goodness of our God. Amen? This morning I want to talk about pathway of pain. In a moment we're going to be looking in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. So I would invite you to take out your word and turn to Hebrews chapter 2 as we'll be looking at that in a moment. And as I'm looking at the the title of the sermon that I picked, um, The Pathway of Pain, um, I was a little conflicted because I'm like, it sounds like a downer, right? It sounds like a downer title, really. Um, And the last thing that I would want is for this to be a downer um, service. We are here to worship the Lord God. We are here to raise and lift up the name of Jesus Christ and to celebrate what Jesus Christ has done for us. And I believe that we can do that when we consider this question of suffering and pain. When I was younger, my dad had a motto. He actually still has this motto. And it's a classic dad motto. And many of us who are dads, I'm sure we've brought out this motto every once in a while. Okay? And the motto is, no pain, no gain. Right? So all of those times when I was going through something that was tough, Right? whether it was sports-related or school-related, work-related, no pain, no gain. And my dad loves to tell the story now that was sometime around when I was 15 years old and he broke out the no pain, no gain motto. I responded by telling him I had a new motto. And my motto was no pain, no pain. <laughs> he absolutely loves that story, by the way. No pain, no pain. Turns out that's actually not just a motto that I came up with. It's a pretty natural expression of our response towards pain and suffering. That's how we generally think about pain and suffering. In fact, we think about pain and suffering so much that way that all of us have, at some point in our lives, I would guess, we have asked the question... Why, God, do you not take away my pain? Why, God, why, Lord, will you not take away my suffering? We have probably all asked that question with using different words, perhaps, and in different situations. 
In fact, in theological discourse, it's a significant question. And within theological discourse, it's known as the problem of pain. And if we boil the problem of pain down, it basically is this. We believe that God is all-powerful, and we believe that God is all-loving. If God is all-powerful and all-loving, then why is there pain in the world? Because if God were all-loving, we assume that he would want to take away our pain, and if God is all-powerful, then he can take away our pain. And so if there is suffering in the world, and we all know that there is, If there is suffering in the world, some come to the conclusion that God cannot be all-powerful and all-loving. And perhaps he's actually neither, and perhaps because there's suffering in the world, he doesn't actually exist. Well, we who are the followers of Jesus Christ, we know that God is all-powerful, he is all-loving, and he most assuredly exists. So we need to be able to give an answer So often when we cry out, Heavenly Father, why won't you take away my pain? Whether we actually speak those words or not, when we cry out, Lord, why won't you take away my suffering? So often we ask that question without expecting an answer. To the question of suffering, we sometimes feel as though there just is no answer but there is. There is an answer to the question of why God does not take away all of our suffering. And that answer is a great encouragement to us. And I want to dive into that question and that answer today. Why does God not take away all of our suffering? First, let us recognize that God takes away much of our suffering And let us recognize, even more importantly, that there is coming a day when God will take away all of our suffering. Amen? Do we believe that there is coming a day when Jesus Christ returns that all suffering, all pain, and all tears will go away forever? Amen. But here, this side of Christ's return, we experience suffering. And so we cry out, why? And the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer to the question of why God does not take away our suffering is Jesus Christ. You see, suffering is a key point of identification between Christ and his people. Suffering is a key point of identification between Christ and his people. We, humanity, sinned. And in our sin, we became broken and separated from God. The second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son, is in the midst of glory, in the midst of communion, perfect communion, in the glory of the Father. We needed a Savior. In order for Christ to be our Savior, he had to identify with us. Because, and this is huge, Christ could not save us as an outsider. The second person of the Trinity had to become human. He had to identify with us in order to save us. But it wasn't enough that he was born in a stable in Bethlehem. It wasn't enough that he became a baby, a boy, a man. In order to truly identify with us, Scripture tells us he had to become familiar with suffering. 
he became well acquainted with sorrow. Jesus Christ identified with us through suffering. He willingly took suffering upon himself so that he might identify with us, that he might save us. But in that process, Christ became a sufferer. We are called to be Christ-like. We are called to be remade in the image of Christ. He who is one who is a man of sorrows, well acquainted with suffering. So if we are going to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ, we experience suffering. We identify with Jesus Christ through suffering. Which brings me to my first point this morning, and our first point this morning is that suffering is the consequence of sin that has become the pathway of salvation. Suffering is the consequence of sin that has become the pathway of salvation. I want us to be encouraged this morning because I know we all experience pain and suffering. And I hope and pray that this truth is an encouragement to you. There is suffering in the world because we sinned. And it's important for us to remember, it's not like a one-to-one correlation. It's not when pain enters into your life, it's because of this one particular sin that you committed. We live in a world that is characterized by pain and suffering because humanity disobeyed God. Because humanity disobeyed God, we threw all of creation into darkness. We threw creation into pain and suffering. So suffering is the consequence of sin. But through the work of Jesus Christ, it has now become a pathway to salvation. And this is the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has taken a weapon of the enemy and he has changed it and transformed it into a pathway to salvation. He has turned it into something that brings honor and glory to his heavenly father. Suffering is the consequence of sin that has become the pathway of salvation. Now, what do we mean by the pathway of salvation? What is our salvation? Now, we might think a lot of different answers to this question. We might think heaven is our salvation. We might think, you know, being a good person is our salvation. What is our salvation? Let us never forget that our salvation is Jesus Christ. That's it. Our salvation is Jesus Christ. Suffering is a consequence of sin that through the power and the love and the grace of our God, it has been transformed into a pathway of, to salvation. It is a pathway to Jesus Christ. There is no more powerful way to experience communion with Jesus Christ, to experience identification with Jesus Christ, than through suffering. because that is what he did for us. Suffering is a consequence of sin that through the power of God has been transformed into a pathway of salvation. Which brings me to my second point this morning. 
And that is Christ does not take away our sin, our suffering, sorry, he does take away our sin. Christ doesn't take away our suffering, not in this world. He gives a purpose. In fact, we can go so far as to say, through the work of Jesus Christ, our suffering has become sanctified. Again, let that sort of seep in to our thinking. Because pain and suffering is a weapon. It is part of the sphere of the enemy. But the power of our God is such that Jesus Christ came down into this world and he did not just defeat the enemy, he took the very weapons of the enemy and he transformed it into something that now brings sanctification to us. That is the power of our God. Christ doesn't take away our suffering in this world. He gives it purpose. And that purpose is to be transformed into his image. To be made like him. In the midst of our suffering, it is such a remarkable encouragement to know that we are being transformed into the image of Christ. Does this not change, should this not change the way we look at pain and suffering? You see, apart from Jesus Christ, my suffering has no meaning. It has no purpose. So I don't want it. I want nothing to do with it. I want to avoid it at all costs. And apart from Jesus Christ, when I think of pain, I am in despair. Because I have no hope. Because there's no purpose in pain. There's no meaning in suffering. But Jesus Christ has not taken away all of our suffering in this world. He has given it purpose. And so now when I experience suffering, now when I think about pain, I don't look at it in despair. I can look at it. We can understand it in hope. Can we experience pain and suffering in the blessed hope of Jesus Christ? We can because we can know that our pain and suffering is not experienced with no purpose. Jesus Christ has sanctified. He has made holy our pain and our suffering. How did he do it? He did it through his. Peter writes, rejoice as you participate in the suffering of Christ. I didn't write those words. Those words are not mine. Those words are God's. Through the pen of the Apostle Peter, rejoice when you participate in the suffering of Christ. How are we to look at pain and suffering? The Word of God tells us to rejoice. I'm not telling you that. Those aren't my words. Those are his. 
How? How? How can we, how can we consider it pure joy when we face trials of, of many kinds? We can do that because we know that our pain and suffering has a purpose, and we know that purpose is Jesus Christ. How do we understand pain and suffering? We tend to understand pain and suffering as something that is happening to me. God, why is this happening to me? Can we understand pain and suffering as something that is happening in us? In other words, we are being transformed by the renewing strength of the Spirit of God. Suffering is the consequence of sin that has been transformed into a pathway of salvation. He does not take our suffering away in this world. He has given it purpose. And in that purpose, we can rejoice. Because in that pain and suffering, it is drawing us closer to Jesus Christ. And so the question, church, that we have to answer is, can we and will we take that deal? And what I mean by that is this. If someone came up to you and said, do you want to be more like Christ? It is certainly my hope and my prayer that all of us would say yes. And then the person says, okay, the cost of becoming more like Christ is pain and suffering. Do we still say yes? The answer to the question of whether we still say yes or not is a matter of our priorities, right? If our priority is to be healthy and wealthy and as successful as we can be as far as the world counts success, if that is our priority, if our priority is to make sure we're taking care of ourselves, then when we're offered that deal, what do we say? We say, keep it. You keep that deal. But if our singular priority, if the only goal that we have in our life is Jesus Christ, then we take that deal every time. And it is the midst of pain and suffering that Jesus Christ is becoming our singular goal. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And our single goal, our single objective is Jesus Christ. And it does not matter the pathway that we must walk upon. Because my heart's single desire is to see the face of my Savior. That is our prayer, amen? Pain and suffering is the crucible in which we are transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Will we take that deal? Our suffering has been transformed. Our suffering has been given purpose. If you would, let us look to the book of Hebrews. In Hebrews chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, just these two verses, and these two verses, of course, are in a much larger context. And these verses are, are complicated, both theologically but also grammatically. So I'm going to read the text, and then I'm going to offer some, some paraphrased translations that I hope will make this text clearer for all of us. Hear the word of the Lord. Hebrews chapter 2, 
verse 10 and 11. It was fitting that God, for whom and through whom all things exist, is bringing many children to glory, should make the pioneer of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For the one who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. For this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call them brothers and sisters. May the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Amen. All right, so let's break this text down. Let's start there at the beginning of verse 10. And again, I'll offer to you a a paraphrased translation, okay, to make clear what is being told us. God perfected Jesus for the job of Savior through suffering. God perfected Jesus for the job of Savior through suffering. Now, we might say, well, wait a second, wait a second. What do you mean God perfected Jesus? I've always heard and known that Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal second person of the Trinity, is is perfect. And, of course, he is. Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the eternal Word, and he is perfect. This text is not talking about God made his being perfect. This text is talking about how God made Jesus perfect for the job of Savior. How was it that God made Jesus perfect to be our Savior? How was it that God made Jesus perfect for the job? The answer, the author of Hebrews tells us, is through what? Through suffering. Again, the second person of the Trinity could not save us from heaven. The second person of the Trinity could not be our Redeemer as an outsider. In order for Jesus Christ to save us, he had to identify with us. He had to break into this world, be born a baby, grow as a boy and a man, who is familiar with suffering, then and only then could he be our high priest, the book of Hebrews tells us. Jesus willingly accepted pain and suffering that he might become our perfect savior. In other words, Jesus Christ chose the cross. Christ was made perfect Christ was made the perfect Savior through suffering. Jesus Christ chose the cross. He said it, right? No one takes my life what? I do what? I lay it down. Christ was made the perfect Savior through suffering. Second, second part of the text. Christ is tr- a trailblazer of our salvation so that we, his children, can be brought to his glory. Christ is a trailblazer of our salvation so that we, his children, can be brought to his glory. Jesus Christ, in his ministry here on this, in this world, He accepted pain and suffering that he might be our salvation. 
But while he was doing that, he was creating a path for us to follow. He was creating a path for us to walk upon. And that path is a path that leads through pain. His life was a life of pain. Do we want to be Christ-like? Jesus Christ has blazed a trail for us to follow him. Jesus Christ has called us all to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. But here's this wonderful, remarkable, gracious truth is he did not just call us to follow him and then just say, you're on your own. He provides us a path that we can walk upon, that he has walked upon, that we might follow him. And that path goes through suffering. And the question, though, is where does that path lead? Where does that path lead? And that path leads, as we said at the beginning, it leads to our salvation. But again, I think it is so important that we understand that the path that we walk upon, the end of that path is Jesus Christ. The end of my path is not heaven. The end of my path is not being a better person. The end of my path is not being a happier person. The end of the path is Jesus Christ. I think sometimes we, 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 we think that the end of our path is heaven. And that heaven is the end. Heaven's not the end. In fact, I'm not going to spend eternity in heaven. I'm going to spend, we are going to spend eternity in the new creation, the new heaven, new earth. But the most important point of my eternity is not where I'm going to be spending it, but with whom I'm going to be spending it, and I'm going to be spending it with Jesus Christ. And I get a taste of that now. And the most powerful way that I get a taste of that now is when I walk the path that he walked, and that path walks through suffering. Christ, he has blazed a trail for us to follow him. And in that path, we are being transformed into new humanity. This is so powerful and so important that we understand. The point of my salvation is not that the destination of my eternity has been changed. The point of my salvation is that I am being changed. We are being transformed into the new humanity through suffering. What is this new humanity? The new humanity is the humanity that God made us to be. The new humanity is the humanity that obeys God. The new humanity is the humanity that has community with God. New humanity is the humanity that God made us to be. And in our sin, we can't be. Because in our sin, we're nothing more than the old humanity. You know what's the difference between old humanity and new humanity? Well, ultimately, the difference is, of course, Jesus Christ. But if we think about the characteristics of old humanity... How does old humanity respond to suffering? 
No pain, no pain. Right? Old humanity looks at suffering and is afraid. Old humanity looks at pain and is filled with fear. And the reason is because old humanity fears death. And well it should, because old humanity is under the curse of death. But new humanity through the work of Jesus Christ has been set free. We who know Jesus Christ are being made into the new humanity. So when we experience pain and suffering, let us be encouraged by the glorious truth that pain and suffering, though yes, we still experience it today, has been defeated. And we will not fear it. We will not be afraid. We need not fear pain. We need not fear suffering. Do you know why? Because pain and suffering are just an expression of death. And we do not fear death. Because our Savior Jesus Christ died upon the cross. And for three days he was dead. And on the third day he rose again. And when he rose again, death was defeated. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that death is a defeated foe? Do you believe pain and suffering are defeated enemies? Do you believe that that pain and that suffering has actually been transformed into a pathway that is transforming us into the children of God? And will we take that deal? Christ is perfected to be our Savior through suffering. We are made into the new humanity through suffering. And my last paraphrase is that the source of our perfection and glorification is the same as Christ's, and that is his suffering. Our perfection, our glorification, our being made into the image of Christ, our being transformed into the new humanity is the same thing that perfected Christ to be our Savior, and it is his suffering. And the reason I say his suffering is this glorious truth that should be an encouragement to us all, because Scripture teaches us that when we suffer, when I experience pain in my life, I can know that I am participating in the pain and suffering of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has taken my suffering upon himself. The pain that we feel is his suffering. We suffer as the body of Jesus Christ. Therefore, know this and please be encouraged. If you have Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, if you are filled with the Spirit of the Almighty God, you will never suffer alone. It's impossible. Do we want to be encouraged this morning? I do. And I am so encouraged to know that I will never suffer alone. I understand that it's easy, right? It's easy to, to speak about suffering and it's easy to talk about how 
we are to consider it pure joy and rejoice in the midst of suffering. But Scripture gives us more. Scripture gives us more ways that we can be encouraged to do this. Because Scripture doesn't just tell us in sort of the theoretical that we're becoming Christ-like through suffering, which we are. Scripture gives us specifics about things that are changing in us that make us more Christ-like through suffering. So I want us to think about a couple things, specific things that we experience that in the midst of suffering that makes us like Christ. Again, keep in mind, what is our goal? What is our single purpose? What is the only desire we have? Jesus Christ. Let's think about how Christ responded to pain and suffering. And of course, if we think about pain and suffering, our thoughts might immediately turn to the garden the night of his betrayal. Because we know Christ suffered. He suffered so that he sweat beads of blood. That's how much he suffered. How did Christ respond in the midst of that suffering? Well, we know in the garden Christ prayed, Lord, if it It's possible for this cup to pass from my lips, meaning to not go to the cross. May it be so. But what? Not my will, but your will be done. In other words, in the midst of suffering, how did Christ respond? Christ responded to suffering by trusting his heavenly Father. How are we changed into new humanity? Well, one of the ways that suffering changes us into new humanity humanity is suffering teaches us to trust God. There is pain and suffering in the world. We all know that. And because of that, God basically has three options. He can take away all the pain and suffering. He can take away none of the pain and suffering. Or he can take away some of our pain and suffering. And I trust we all realize that God has taken away some of our pain and suffering. And let us not forget that. Let us us be grateful to the fact that God has taken away much of our pain and suffering in this world. Pain and suffering that we perhaps have never even seen, God has taken. When we are healed from sickness, whether it be through miraculous or medical means... God is sovereign and taking away our pain and suffering. So he has taken away some of our pain and suffering, but he does not take away all. But I want us to think about what if God had taken away all of our suffering? What if God did take away all of our pain and suffering? In fact, I will ask the question, what if God took away all of my pain and suffering? I can tell you In all honesty, that if God took away all of my pain and all of my suffering, I would have no faith. Because there would be no reason for me to trust God. There would be no reason for me to see the need for God. If God took away all of my pain and all of my suffering... I would take his grace for granted and never see my need for him. So in pain and in suffering, it has been sanctified because it is in pain and in suffering that I most powerfully see my need 
for God. It is in pain and suffering that I most powerfully see my need for Jesus Christ. And it is in pain and suffering that I most powerfully see the grace that he daily pours out upon me. Pain and suffering teaches us to trust God. How did Jesus respond to pain and suffering? He responded by trusting his heavenly father. Second thing, how did Jesus Christ respond to the suffering of his betrayal, his arrest, his false trial, his torture, his beating, and his crucifixion? He responded by trusting his heavenly father, and he trusted by serving others. Through suffering, we become more like Christ in our service to others. At any moment during Christ's trial, his arrest, his betrayal, his torture, his crucifixion, at any moment during the time when they were driving stakes into his hands and his feet, at any moment Jesus Christ could have called down his angels and said, deliver me from this and destroy all who would seek to destroy me. But instead, what did he do? Instead, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Instead of calling down his angels and saving himself, he died upon the cross and saved me. Through suffering, we become more like Christ in our service to others. Let me ask you the question. If there were no pain and if there were no suffering in the world, whom would you serve? And how would you do it? If... if no one you knew experienced pain or suffering, how would you seek to become Christ-like and serve others? You couldn't. There'd be no point. Likewise, if we, if I had no pain and no suffering in my life, who could serve me? And it's really important that when we think about service, that it's not just a matter that we serve others, it's a matter that we allow others to serve us. Because in both of those things, we become Christ-like. Because Christ did both. Christ served others, and Christ also allowed others to serve him. The last few months have been a little rough for my family. And in the midst of the struggles that we've had over the last few months, the body of Jesus Christ has poured out grace and love upon us. This church has poured out grace and love upon us. And it got to the point at times for me where I said to Joan, it's too much. People are doing too much. People are giving too much. And Joan just sort of like shook her head. It was awkward for me to accept that outpouring. Why? because I need to be made Christ-like. Why? Because my pride needs to be broken. And when I came to realize, and the Spirit worked through me to show me this truth, that who am I to say to someone, you're giving too much, you're becoming too much like Christ? Who am I to say to Jesus Christ as he hangs upon the cross, Jesus, don't do that, that's too much. There is no too much. There is no giving too much. 
It is in the midst of pain and suffering that we can serve and we are served and it is when we serve and it is when we are being served that we are being made Christ-like. How did Christ respond to suffering? He served others. And finally, how did Christ respond to suffering? Christ responded to suffering by bearing testimony to the victory of the gospel. Jesus Christ was crucified upon a cross. And in every moment that Jesus Christ was upon that cross, he was faithfully following the will of his Father. And he was demonstrating an immeasurable love to all of us. And he was proclaiming the victory of the gospel. And three days later, when he rose victorious over death, he was proclaiming the victory of the gospel. Do you, do we want to bear testimony to the victory of Jesus Christ? Do we want to bear testimony to the victory of Jesus Christ? If we do, let us understand that there is no more powerful place to do that than in the midst of suffering. Because when everything is perfect in my life, as if that is ever the case, but let's say theoretically, if all things are perfect in my life and I stand up and say God is good all the time, someone might say, well, sure, you would say that. That's not that much of a testimony. But on the other hand, when it seems like my life is falling apart, when it seems like nothing in my life is going right, and I stand up and say God is good all the time, That's a testimony. And if God took away all my pain and all my suffering, I wouldn't have the opportunity to do that. One of my favorite stories from the Bible growing up, and I'm sure it still is, and I'm sure we all love it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? These three men who refused to bow to the false gods. And the payment, the consequence of that was death. Death in a fiery furnace. So these three men, faithful to the Lord God, were led to this fiery furnace. And as they were being led in, what did they say? They said, we serve a God who is able to deliver us from this fire. But even if he doesn't, still, we will not worship your false gods. That's a testimony. If not for that fire, if not for that flame, they would not have had the opportunity to bear witness to the power of God. And in that testimony, we, all of these years later, are inspired. That's a testimony. Hey, things are going well. God is good. Or, I serve a God who is able to deliver me from this illness. I serve a God who is able to deliver me from these financial difficulties. I serve a God who is able to deliver the one I love from this illness. But even if he doesn't, still I will sing and praise the name of Jesus Christ. That's a testimony. And it is in pain and suffering that we're given that blessed opportunity. Lord, make us a testimony today that the world who is in such need 
of Jesus Christ may see the power and the grace and the love of Jesus Christ through us. We began this morning talking about the problem of pain. God, why don't you take my pain and my suffering away? And we said, if God is all loving, surely he would. But I trust we all recognize the error of our ways because the answer to the question of why God do you not take all my pain and suffering away is because he loves us. Because he loves us and he desires for us to be the humanity that he made us to be and he knows that our only joy, our only true rest, our only true peace, our only true hope resides in the person of Jesus Christ and it is upon the pathway of pain and suffering that we pursue him and that we follow him and that we know him. We serve a God who could take away all pain and suffering. He will one day. He could do it today. But I would argue he has done something more powerful than that. He, through his son Jesus Christ, he who came into this world He took the weapon of the enemy, pain and suffering. He took the weapon of the enemy and he made it a pathway that brings honor and glory to our God. Who can do that? I mean, I would think, my thought would be just destroy the weapons of the enemy. God's plan is, I'm going to take the weapons of the enemy and I'm going to turn them into a means of bringing honor and glory to myself through the work of my son and the faithful response of my people. Lord, make us a testimony. Lord, make me a testimony. The end of this text that we read this morning states that because of all of this, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brother and sister. Are we willing to take the deal? Are we willing to take the deal? Again, the deal is we are called to become Christ-like, but Christ is a sufferer. He is well familiar with pain and suffering, and he has created a path for us to follow him, but that path leads through suffering. Are we willing to walk that path in order to know Jesus Christ? Well, here's the payoff. Jesus Christ is not ashamed to call me brother. I can't explain that to you, apart from the grace of God. I am so desperately unworthy to be called a brother of Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ has blazed a trail for me to follow him. And as I faithfully follow him through the guiding of the power of his spirit which dwells within me, never experiencing pain or suffering alone, as I walk that path, I am being drawn ever closer to him. And yes, I might leave this world in pain and suffering, but this I know. When I do, I will see my Savior face to face. And he will call me brother. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Our suffering has been sanctified because our suffering has purpose and our purpose is Jesus Christ. And if we have Jesus Christ, we will one day see him face to face.
Lord, make me a testimony. Make me a testimony to your victory and the victory of your gospel. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace, and we pray that you would shower your grace on us today and every day. Lord, pour out your grace upon us, and we know that you do. Make us aware of your grace. For Lord, we know that we experience pain and we experience suffering. But Lord, bring to our hearts and to our minds the glorious truth that through the work of your Son, our pain has been sanctified. Our pain has become a pathway that draws us ever closer to our single goal, our first love, your Son, our perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, make us a testimony today to the victory of your Son and his gospel. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.